You are listening to Rare Voices, the show that reveals the wisest path to a fulfilled life for patients with rare and orphan disorders. Brought to you by the people of OptimiCare. I'm your host, Donovan Quill. When it comes to small patient populations, an area that is perhaps the least understood is that of the payers. For manufacturers, it's hard to know how to set the right strategy. For specialty pharmacies, lack of clarity creates challenges and an inconsistent patient experience. For patients, insurance feels like a black hole. To create some clarity, we have our guest today, Jim Clement, a partner at COAS Consulting Group. Jim has 25 years experience in the pharmacy benefits, biotechnology, and health plans, and specializes in value-based and innovative contracting, medical pharmacy management, and supply chain optimization. I met Jim a few years ago when we founded OptimiCare, and in that time, I have leaned on Jim for his expertise in many situations. Why Jim? Jim's been there, Jim has done it, and Jim is a person you need to know if you want to have success in rare disease. So Jim, when did you first become interested in taking care of patients? Uh, you know, I think I've been around healthcare my entire career, and um you know, the healthcare system is a um, very complex system, and there's a lot of different areas where um, you, you get a chance to not only interact with the patient, but help the patient access care. Um, and, and patients really don't know how to navigate the health system. And I think that's really where, what stimulated my interest in healthcare and participating in helping patients access that care. Great. So you've, you've seen a lot of things from the payer side of the table. What are some of the common understandings that payers have of small patient populations? You know, I, I, payers understand that, you know, really only about 5% of the more than 7,000 rare diseases out there have an approved therapy. So they understand the population that they're looking at. I think what payers struggle with is how much of certain populations might they have um, within their membership, you know, and, and payers more often, rightfully so, understand that they or the plan sponsor or the employer group is going to have to pay for these therapies, um, but are faced with the challenge of how they underwrite those therapies. Hmm. It's interesting. So looking at that, or, or, you know, as, as they try to figure that out, what are some of the common misconceptions they have from, you know, from a, from a payer standpoint um, and then bleed into the manufacturer and then even the payer and then even the patient standpoint? You, you know, I think the, the biggest misconception uh, that a payer has is that a manufacturer really is just out to gouge the system, right? To, to price their product to what the market will bear rather than the true value of their product. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, manufacturers have this misconception that, that payers simply are going to have to pay for it. Um, and that because payers are going to have to pay for it, that the manufacturer also doesn't have to support services, Donovan, that I think you and I are, are used to in terms of those clinical or those business teams account teams that interact with the payers to help them understand the disease state itself that a manufacturer may be operating in. 
Um, you know, and I think there's, there's even misconceptions from a, from a patient standpoint. Right. And, um, you know, I think patients are continuously patients and or their families are constantly worried about whether or not they're going to get access to the only therapy that is going to save their or their child's life. Um, and I think that's a misconception because I've seen it firsthand that payers go to great lengths to make sure patients have access to these therapies. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think you and I have, you know, had many conversations over this and, and looking at those, those misconceptions, have, have we seen a shift or, you know, what are the ways that we can shift that, that, you know, the perception over, over the years? You know, I think from a from a broader perspective, in terms of the overall healthcare delivery system, I think we've all become more in tune with the hardship of having a rare disease, and that you know, sadly, a majority of rare diseases are genetic in nature, and the fact that they can impact multiple family members. So it's not as if having um, one child or member of your family with a particular genetic or, or a rare condition. You may have multiple, and we're realizing, I think, as a broader system, the, the heavy burden of illness that extends well beyond the patient and that has much broader implications to, to a family's nucleus, right, a family's finances, their ability to, for both spouses to work, or, or as simple as even getting a full night's sleep when you're taking care of a child that's sick, uh, and, and you may require them to reposition them over the course of a night's sleep. And so the, the, the parent isn't even able to get a full night's sleep. So, you know, I, I think we're realizing the heavy hardship and the burden of illness um, that, that the impact on a family. Um, but more specifically, I think to, to those, you know, specific segments in terms of the payer and the manufacturer, you know, I think payers are beginning to look at some value frameworks to find some logical methodology to correlate a therapy's impact on the disease state with its cost. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if, I'm not sure yet if manufacturers are realizing that just because they bring a therapy to market that it's automatically going to be covered. Um, and I said before, most patients falsely assume that they may not be covered and, and health plans work very hard um, to make sure that these therapies are covered. But, it, you know, it, it's kind of we got to find that balance in terms of delivering a sustainable benefit while providing access to these therapies that, that truly impact patients' lives. That was perfect. Um, so when we when we look at some of those things as we're as we're kind of going down that that treatment journey, what what's one of the biggest mistakes a manufacturer makes when working with payers and distributors? You know, I'd say that that manufacturers assume that, that payers, you know, and, and I'm talking whether it's, it's the big payers like a United Healthcare or the regional blues, that they have the experience and the personnel to manage the disease for which their therapy is a treatment option. Um, and, and I believe the larger delivery system will get there over time. But right now, manufacturers really need to assume some of the responsibility to demonstrate what a coordinated and integrated rare disease management program looks like. You know, these, these payers, some payers may only have one patient 
and they don't necessarily have a fully blown integrated disease management program to, to not only manage for the benefit of the patient in terms of the care that they access, but to also control cost. Um, so manufacturers really need to begin to appreciate that a payer is handling both, you know, from a financial standpoint, a payer is handling both fully insured and self-funded plan sponsors. And that some of those plan sponsors are seeing year over year increases, premium increases, rising sometimes between 60 and 70 percent. And so that's something that a payer is actually struggling with is how do they make those costs affordable? And if you have a self-insured plan sponsor, a small employer that has one or, or, you know, possibly two, given the genetic nature of some of these illnesses and that there could be multiples in a family, that could simply put a small employer under. And what we saw with ACA is that more and more small employers pursued a self-funded option. But what manufacturers don't realize is they, they then have to purchase reinsurance to, to safeguard from catastrophic claim cost. Um, but those reinsurance, if you do hit one of these reinsurance attachment points, premiums become prohibitively expensive. And, that, and that's when you get lasering, you know, or patients and families being excluded from certain benefits. So manufacturers really need to show payers that they've wrapped resources around these patients that ultimately are going to prevent cost and that they're participating and they're not just bringing a drug to the market. They're, they're helping where possible for hospital admissions to, to reduce or ER, ER use to um, decline. You know, one out of five rare disease patients are readmitted to the hospital within 30 days of a prior admission, you know? So how is the manufacturer demonstrating to a payer that they're part of a broader solution and bring more to the table than just an expensive therapy? You know, and if I could go kind of elaborate on that, we consult, my consulting group consults with many rare disease manufacturers on how they should bring their products to market. And I see so many manufacturers you know, just throwing their drug into the usual supply chain and not thinking of how best to navigate the distribution channel so that their patients have the best chance of getting on and staying on therapy. You know, why, why spend billions of dollars on developing a therapy only to take an easy way out when it comes to getting your therapy to the patient that needs it? You know, manufacturers need to consider how they can better organize vendor selection you know, and who those vendors really are that can help them tell a story that demonstrates the value of their product to the system and to the patient. Yeah, and, and I know you and I have had many, many uh, long conversations on that. Um, so, so let's looking at let's look at that story that they can tell. So, really, what what we see is the value, and the value being very important. So, how can patient care? and real world evidence come into play when working with those rare and orphan patient populations? Well, now we're getting to the heart of the matter. Um, as <laughs> and, um, you know, this is really where I believe the broader system is headed, but it's particularly relevant to rare diseases and orphan patient populations. You know, 
Um, and, and that's really how should a manufacturer harness their collection of vendor partners to, to one, really improve how care is being delivered to their patient. And two, how do they use and partner with those vendors to identify, overcome, and really quantify gaps in care that demonstrate to a payer or plan sponsor that their product is cost effective or at minimum doing what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's look at your experience and, and, you know, you've, you've kind of run the full gamut. So, you know, working in the biopharm industry, the pharmacy, working with payers and insurance and now doing consulting, how have you taken what you've learned from your, your various experiences to, to work, to influence that patient care? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I wish I were clinical. I don't have, uh, probably more business oriented, but uh, I am jealous of, uh, of those with clinical degrees and are able to actually, um, you know, truly be in front of the patient. But um, I would probably say my impact is, is probably most apparent in my perspective and how I advise companies. You know, first and foremost, I've encountered so many people that truly want to improve the lives of patients and are passionate about that mission. You know, manufacturers are bringing beautiful science to treat some pretty devastating illnesses. Um, pharmacies and pharmacists are proving that they really are so much more and bring so much more value than just simply a delivery vehicle for these medicines and that they play such a larger role in integrating disparate services. Um, and I've also learned on the health plan side, the very real complexities and realities of trying to ensure that we can sustainably afford and, and offer, you know, this science that manufacturers are bringing to patients um, and, and seeing firsthand that, you know, health plans are absolutely not out there just trying to deny, deny care. They're really not. And, and so it's this coordination of all these different segments of the system and seeing them, in my experience, for the value that they actually bring and what they're trying to achieve. Because what I've seen is everybody's really, healthcare's hard, right? And you, you, you have to be truly vested and passionate about improving patients' lives. Um, and, and everybody is trying to do that. It's just everybody also ascribes different motives and, and probably false motives to the other parties that are involved in healthcare delivery. So, so one of the things you touched on was, you know, we, we all know healthcare is hard and, and navigating that, that, that vast um, horizon is, is really tough for these patients and, and manufacturers. And one of the things you mentioned is also how do we coordinate that to, uh, to, to fit the needs of the, that, that beautiful science, as you described it, that's there to help some rare disorder and, and fill an unmet need. So when, I'm, when someone's looking to bring a product to market and they're looking to commercialize that product, what are some of the models that you would like to see more of in that commercialization for those small patient populations? You know, I, it's, I really kind of, um, I believe that we really need to clearly demonstrate the value of a drug therapy to both the patient and the payer. You know, more and more patients are being, are encountering extremely high deductibles. And I know we're talking about rare, rare disease here, 
Um, but there's a true financial hardship uh, going on with the patient. Um, and there's this hardship with, with the payer as well. So manufacturers really need to clearly demonstrate that their product does bring value. And, you know, clinical trials are highly sterile and, and rightfully so. We have to have it that way. But we also need to look at how we best prove that a drug works in the real world as well as it did in the clinical trial. And that if a drug doesn't work as well in the real world, we need to understand why. And that some of that demonstration may require manufacturers to assume some risk in real world outcomes and, and not just price the product to where the market will bear. You know, manufacturers need to realize that they need to bring more to the table than just a drug and that they need to weave together a story that really articulates that drug's value. Um, you know, I, I would also say the distribution. Um, as I said earlier, manufacturers are quick to pull on a pull the trigger on a distribution method because it's what everybody's done previously. And they, they, they hire folks that have done it for other companies. And those, those folks are, even though they're truly, you know, interested in making sure that the patient can get access to the product and receive it. Um, a lot of times they do what they did at the last company because they know it works. Right. Um, but the distribution channel really needs to, evolve. And, and those that are going to really compete on services are ultimately going to be the better partner for that manufacturer. You know, they need to compete on the services that they deliver, not on spread pricing. Um, they need to pursue patient service organizations, manufacturers that can help them weave together that value story um, and then pay those vendors for the services that are delivered. Um, and not really allow the distribution system to just piggyback off the price of the therapy. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, so looking at the horizon and looking at, um, you know, what, what you're doing currently, what is next for you? And what, what do you see as, as the in the future that, that gets you really excited? You know, I, I, there's no better time than now to be participating in the redesign of the broader healthcare system. And, and I really believe that and I'm passionate about that. We are at a sweet spot, or at least we're presented with an opportunity, right? The sweet spot is manufacturers are bringing forward science that we've never thought possible before, whether it be RNA, RNA or, or gene therapies or CAR Ts or, you know, even just you know, long chain fatty acid therapies. Um, it's, it's really a wonderful time um, with the innovative therapies that are coming to market. But, you know, honestly, the, the impact of what we're dealing with right now in terms of COVID-19, um, COVID-19 has clearly demonstrated the weaknesses of a volume-based healthcare system. And we really need to continue the pivot to one based on value. And that's probably the underlying theme is demonstrating value. Um, you know, manufacturer innovation, as I said, is really beginning to, to really spread its wings. And we're going to continue to see more and more cures come out and treatments for, for life-limiting or life-ending diseases. But we have to prove it. You know, 
at, at COAS Consulting Group, for example, and through our subsidiary COAS Healthcare, um, we help manufacturers organize the health system to best deliver their medications to patients and to do it in a way that helps them tell their story. You know, Donovan, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. <laughs> I love that. It's a great movie. I love that movie. And, and it was really, you know, in this case, it's, it's, it's going against baseball's conventional wisdom, right? And that the conventional wisdom is wrong and that the more you pay for a player, the better the product will be. Um, it, it's really kind of analogous to what we're experiencing in healthcare. Um, but in that movie, they use data to develop a better story, to tease out critical player attributes that can collectively produce a winning ball club. Well, COAS aims to be that for manufacturers, for payers, and for integrated delivery systems, really by identifying the critical indicators of success and failure to correlate drug utilization with positive patient outcomes. And ultimately, really to try to build a more affordable and accessible healthcare system. You know, so I love that story because it's about analytics, but it's about analytics to deliver a better product. And if we can all kind of get on board in, in how we pick up those data points, you know, in, in terms of whether that be you know, I think with telehealth and, and everything that's going on as we as we navigate our way through this pandemic, um, you know, the home is really going to become a site of care. So so how do we pick up the data points that are necessary, um, whether that be patient reported outcomes or parent reported outcomes or, you know, caregiver nurse reported outcomes, both you know, hard clinical outcomes or, you know, kind of the above claims metrics that we need to look for. You know, can that Duchenne muscular dystrophy patient climb four flights or four steps? You know, that's, that's data that's just so hard to collect, but it frequently happens in a patient's home. So, you know, how, how can we take in, you know, a, a mom's video through her iPhone of, of her son climbing four stairs and use that as a story to demonstrate to the payer that the therapy is having an impact. And so, you know, I, I think this is, as we redesign the system, we need to be thinking about that. What does home, the home as a site of care look like? What does telehealth look like? And how can we pick up data points that demonstrate a product's effectiveness? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Telling the story with data and real data is is what will be the key, I think, as these uh, as these innovations in therapy um, continue to grow. So since this show is called Rare Voices, mm-hmm. what is one thing that you think is not said enough in our patient care industry? Hmm. You know, I'd have to go back to maybe one of my previous comments, and it, it really is something that I've always told all my teams, is that healthcare is hard, you know, um, and I don't think we give ourselves uh, much wiggle room, right, because, because they're truly, there's a patient on the other end of the line, and so we, we don't allow ourselves um, 
we don't take failure very well, right? Even though we fail every day, but you know, what we do, whether that is developing an access strategy to make sure patients can get on a therapy or whether that's figuring out how to approve and pay for a medication, healthcare is extremely complicated, you know? So, so do the right thing for the patient every time, no matter how many times removed you may feel that you are from that patient, your actions still matter in healthcare. And so if you can do the right thing consistently day in and day out, truly for the patient, um, I think ultimately we're going to be able to deliver quality healthcare um, to that patient. And we're going to see it uh, in those patients' lives and their ability to, to um, you know, participate more fully, I think, in society. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. And that, I think that's, that's spot on. Um, so, you know, to give you an opportunity right now to um, let everybody know how they can learn more about your consulting group. Uh, yeah, we're, we're on the web. So you can either reach out to me directly um, or, or go to info at coasconsultinggroup.com and, and certainly see more about um, the service offerings that we have, you know, we, we work with manufacturers, we work with payers, um, and we work with integrated delivery systems. Um, so, you know, we have a whole suite of services that, that hopefully, you know, look towards and, and identify organizations that are able to, to help all the participants um, realize the true value of the stories that are out there and to put all the pieces together. You've been listening to Rare Voices, brought to you by the people of OptimiCare. If you want to hear more Rare Voices, go to rare-voices.com. There you can learn about our shows, read articles from industry thought leaders, and fill out a form to be a guest on Rare Voices. Again, that's rare-voices.com. I'm Donovan Quill, co-founder of OptimiCare. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to listen for more Rare Voices all around you, each and every day.